Heavenly Father, on this day in particular, may the words of my mouth, meditation of each heart listening, be acceptable in your sight, in our Lord's name. Amen. Mother's Day has come to be one of the most appealing days in the life of the American people. On this day, from the officials of highest rank in this country, down to the humblest tenant in a broken-down old cabin, people pause, as well they should, to pay tribute to the best-loved person in all the world, and that be one's own dear mother. It starts with the most beautiful scene ever depicted, whether it's by a painter or a poet or an artist or a sculptor or a novelist, the beautiful scene of a mother with a baby in her arms. When I'm preaching on a Sunday morning and there's a baby present over here or over there or over there, I stand no chance because every eye is fixed on that child. When Jesus died on the cross, his first word pertains to those who have brought him to that execution. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They're the puppets of Satan. His second word is to the thief on the cross, who says to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, salvation is yours. But when he's through with those two elements, as important as they are, he then turns his attention to someone at the foot of the cross, and the someone standing there is his own mother. And he weeps for her. And he says to John, You stand next to this dearest person. Would you watch over her for me? She has watched over me, my mother Mary. I have watched over her as best I can. But now as I leave this place, I turn her care over to you. The greatest prophet in the Old Testament is Isaiah. Isaiah was one who was put to death in the most brutal way for his faith. And when Isaiah is under great conflict, when he realizes his life is at risk, he thinks of two people. He thinks of God who's with him, And as he realizes that his life is going to come to an end, he thinks about his mother. The great prophet writes, As one, namely myself, whose mother was always there to comfort me, so the Lord God will comfort not only me, but all of his people when I am gone. As he realizes that his life is going to come to an end, Who flashes before his mind's eye? His own mother. And he said, she is always there for me. No matter what was going on in my life as a young man or now as a middle-aged man, no matter what was going on in my life as death approaches, she was always there. And then he lifts his eyes to a higher place. And he says, God shall be with me. And he shall be with these people when I am no longer here. Mother's love is strong. There is nothing that will match it. I think of a father, and I think their love is strong. 
But the mother is the one who had the child inside. And the mother is, remem- is the one who remembers all of those things that dads never remember. They got other things on their mind or they're at work, but the mother remembers all of these things. And she'll say to her husband, do you remember? And he said, no. Well, you remember that? No. It's the mom's. If your mother is still living, then make sure you take time today. And if your mother is now in heaven, ponder what she has meant in your life. This is the first Mother's Day for my wife Connie, that her mother is in heaven, age 90. It's first Mother's Day that my daughter-in-law, Rachel's mom, is in heaven far too soon, age 59. And at a ball game yesterday, Luke is playing, I listened to those two talk about their moms. The Shunammite woman, Second Kings 4, three graces that she has been granted by God, and I want to share them with you. First grace was a compassion for those in need. I think women far excel men in the issue of seeing a need and being willing to address it. And they far excel men in understanding how the need should be addressed. The woman in the Bible is described as well-to-do. And here is a shabby prophet. The prophets didn't eat well. They didn't smell very well. They had ragged clothes. And here is this well-to-do woman, and she sees the prophet... And she knows that he's a man of God. He's not a charlatan. She sees his miracles. She hears the words that come out of his mouth. And she says to her husband, he is a man of God. Let us build a home. Let us build a room onto our home so that he might stay there when he comes. We will take one thing off of his plate. When he comes, they have a place to stay a bed, a table, a candle, a chair. And that is what they do. Elisha, when he comes, he, he, I get the idea that he doesn't know it's his permanent place. When he comes a second time, and then he understands this is his place. And when he understands they built it for him, he says to her, I can't believe your kindness to me. What can I do for you? And she speaks not a word. She is content. He comes back a second time, a couple of months later, and he says, I can't stop thinking about what you've done for me. What can I do for you? She says to him this time, I'm content. I have grown up in this town My friends and my family are here. I need nothing else. Three or four days ago, I went to see Rachel's grandpa. His name is Don. He was at Palin's Hospital. And when when I went in to see him, we began to talk. He's quite a Christian man. And he says, as I look at my long, long life, I thank God for three things. The most important things we can ever have. I said, Don, what are they? 
He said, I look at my faith in God as my greatest possession. He has gotten me through everything and anything. And then he said, you see, my son John sitting here, I have my family, and our family is blessed by God to be so close to each other. And then he said, I have people like you. I have so many friends on this earth. I have a family, I have friends, and above all else, I have a faith in God. That is what the woman was saying to Elisha. You keep asking me what I want, I have everything I need. Faith, family, friends. Elisha wouldn't let it go. He said to Gehazi, you know something that I don't know. I see a look of sadness come upon her face every once in a while. Do you know what I don't know? And Gehazi answered quickly. He said, she has no child. She has no child. Maybe Gehazi had heard her praying one day. Maybe Gehazi had heard her talking to other women. Maybe he had heard her talking to her husband. She has no child. And Elisha wasted no time. He called in the woman. He said, one year from now, men are not always so delicate. He said, one year from now, you shall have a child. She said to him, don't do this to me. Don't raise my hopes. I assume she had had a miscarriage, at least one. Don't raise my hopes again. And Elisha said, no, I speak from God, you have a child. And the child comes. She was compassionate. She was content. Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, I have learned to be content. And then he said, I was the richest man in town. And then I became the poorest man in town when I became a follower of Christ. I don't have anything. But I've learned to be content. Because through Christ, I have everything. When I retire somewhere down the road, and someone asks you, did he have favorite verses? You'll say, well, he mentioned Ecclesiastes 5.19 all the time. And so I mention it today in reference to the woman. Ecclesiastes 5.19, this was a Shunammite woman. If God gives any man wealth and possessions, what is your wealth? It's what Don Van Vuren said is wealth. If you have faith, if you have family, if you have friends, you have what you need. If God gives any man wealth and possessions, enables them to accept their circumstance in life, This is a gift from God. Accept your circumstance in life. Do you know what you're like? Premarital counseling, I'll always ask him, tell me about her. I got a list of questions. One of the questions is, is she more critical or more positive by nature? And then I'll ask her, how's Joe? Is he more critical or more positive by nature? When you open your mouth, what comes out? I hate my school. Don't like this teacher. Don't like this fraternity. 
Don't like my job. Don't like rain on Mother's Day, even if it keeps me off the golf course. I don't like this. It's all Thanksgiving, and, and this is here, and, and where's my favorite food? Contentment. Contentment. When you walk into someone's presence, are you going to meet a wall? Or are you going to meet open arms? The woman was content with what God had given her. Thirdly, and last, she had a most incredible faith in God. The boy comes, he's six or seven years of age, he dies. And when Elisha asked her, is your husband all right? Yes. Are you all right? Yes. Is your child all right? She says, yes. And you say, is she out of her mind? Her child just died that morning. What she meant was this. My child is safe in heaven. My child is still with God. God was with him down here. God's with him up there. I'll see him again. That's what she meant. But it was seconds later, and she fell down at his feet, and she was sobbing so loudly she couldn't speak. Gehazi said, let's move her along. And Elisha says, are you out of your mind? Don't you see what I see? Some tragedy has come. I don't know what yet. And sometime later when she recovers, she tells him, how in the world could she say all is well with my child? On a Mother's Day, I always look out and I always think about mothers who on this day grieve a son or a daughter that is not here. I think about the first thing when I wake up, I think about it yesterday. And those mothers would be prone to say, it is well with my child and I will see them again. Our Lord, John eleven twenty five, most important verse in the Bible. He says to Martha, when Lazarus dies, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. What is he doing 20 minutes later? He's standing at Lazarus' graveside. What is he doing? Shortest verse in the Bible. He is overcome with a deep emotion, the Bible says. And he began to weep. And he wept so loudly that the people around him said, Behold how much he loved Lazarus. And then they said, If he'd have come right away, he'd still be alive. It is well with my child. But when that child was restored to life, her faith in God grew but stronger. Closing words. I heard my mother say it three times. 
in her life. 1963, I'm standing in the stairwell when Dad comes home from the hospital. My brother Mark had rheumatic fever. And I, standing in the stairwell, I heard my dad say to my mom, I'll stay here with the children. You go to the hospital. I don't think Mark will be alive in the morning. And for the first time, I heard my mother say, How does anyone get through this without God? Her implication, God is with me. And whatever happens to Mark tonight, God is with me. The second time I heard her say it was about five years later. She was talking on the phone, and all of a sudden she dropped the phone, and all of a sudden she fainted. And when my father revived her, she said, My father has just died. She was 40 years of age. And she said for the second time, How does anyone get through this without God? She was very, very close to her father. And the third time was five years ago when my dad died. They had been married for 66 years. They had known each other for 70 years. And when I flew down there and I opened the front door and came walking in, she didn't even say, Hi, Paul. She just looked at me and she said for the third time, How does anyone get through this? without God. Her implication always, with God, one can get through anything because he walks with you in the valley of the shadow of finances. He walks with you in the valley of the shadow of cancer. He walks with you in the valley of the shadow of divorce. He walks with you in the valley And he sets a table in your living room. I wonder if you'll tell him to take off his shoes. He sets a table for you in your living room. And he says to you, mother, and he says to you, dad, and he says to you, single, married, widow, divorce, he says to you, look at me. I'm sitting at the table. Look at me. Don't look at the enemies around you. Don't look at the circumstances. Look at me. And if you look at him, you walk away with something you would not have otherwise. You walk away with peace. And you walk away with strength. Don't look at the circumstance that binds you. Look at me. I'm seated at your table. How does anyone get through this without God? And with Him you do, with flying colors, with soaring wings, and with fast running feet. Isaiah forty twenty nine. Would you bow your heads as we pray? You have given them a territory you give no one else, mothers, 
You give them a ministry unlike any others. You send the disciples to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of the earth. But to one who bears the title of mother, their ministry is those that they have given birth to. And whether that child is one minute old, or whether they are still on this earth when you reach age 100, there has never been a day that you did not think about them, that you did not pray for them, that you did not love them. There was never a day. What a gift, the ability to bring forth life. And what a ministry to those who bear our own blood in our Savior's name. Amen.